Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fun Boat Diplomacy podcast. This episode is going to be the first episode with a guest on this iteration of Fun Boat Diplomacy. All the other episodes I've done in the past have featured a guest, someone that I've met along the line in my life. But uh, aside from the one from last week, which I actually got really good feedback about, people like my voice just on its own without other guests. So that's flattering. That's pretty cool. So I also thought about the kinds of things I wanted to discuss on this podcast and realized that a lot of the times there's things that I'd like to discuss, but they're not topics that we, with my guests, that we uh, we cover, but they might be things that I, I'll be doing in class or things that I read about in the news or any, or any range of things. Uh, so these two factors together got me thinking about using more of the features on this app that I've been using to host Funboat Diplomacy, which is called Anchor. And Anchor is, it's been described as the Snapchat of podcasting. Now, I don't use Snapchat, but, so you can correct me if I'm, if I'm using it wrong or whatever, I, I don't know. But you can, what you can do is you can open up the, open up the app and you can record anything really any kind of audio input and have it as a small snippet that's featured on your anchor account on your anchor profile and people can listen to that over the course of 24 hours and afterwards you can then take any number of these snippets and merge them into whole episodes that are stored forever uh, as on the episode list on anchor that's then fed into the rss feed that can be accessed by podcast apps like iTunes or the, or Overcast, things like this. So I think that's pretty cool because there's all these topics that we're covering in class that, that I think are pretty interesting that I could cover as solo material, either in short form or in full-length podcasts all on my own. Um, the classes that I'm taking include international security, uh, development economics, the theory of international relations, and a course on the history of the Cold War in Central and Eastern Europe. And also, um, there's one that's, it's, it's only, it only meets twice every, every two weeks, so I sometimes forget about it. So sort of an introduction to global studies, to globalization, things like this. And so, yeah, it's the, you can look forward to some solo material by just myself, uh, the format, though, I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do that. But until then, it won't be that much longer. But until then, the only form that you have of just me would be last week's episode or this introduction here and introductions I'll be doing for the episodes that I'll have guests uh, featured here. So please welcome and enjoy this week's episode with my good friend and guest, Boris Valov. Hello everyone, welcome to the Fun Boat Diplomacy Podcast. It's our the new episode since, I don't know how long, it's been a year and two months since a new episode. The last week's episode was just me. This week I have Boris Valov here with me. Boris, welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well, man. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird, as I said earlier, that uh, I'm recording again. It's been so long, but uh, yeah, yeah this will be a lot of fun. 
Um, First do you want, Yeah, do you want to introduce yourself uh, yeah, real quick I mean, to the podcast audience? Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Boris Valov. I'm from Bulgaria. And um, I'm one of these um, Erasmus Mundo students, master's program, and in, in, uh, right now in Wroclaw, and this is how we met, actually. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, it's two years program. Uh, anyway, I mean, I, I study international relations or political science, whatever. It's, it's, it's something, it's a mixture between those two uh, to, be, to be easy. And yeah, um, I'm twenty twenty five. Oh, same. I, actually, yeah. I didn't think we were the same age exactly, really? but yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, year ninety two rules. So <laughs> I'm ninety one actually. Oh, really? Yeah, but really? my birthday's in two weeks. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so like, it's, sure. That's the. Yeah. Oh, that's the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's cool. a very slight difference. Because I was born in July, and uh-huh. and, and yeah, yeah, and I also have a difference with my girlfriend. It's like six months, and uh, I remember like. We, while we were in the states, I guess I'm gonna talk about it later. And yeah, sure. uh, she, 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 she's like six months older than me. And uh, while we were in the states, I was uh, 20, and she was 20, uh, 21. And for a couple of months, she had to buy me beer because I didn't have the right to do that because oh, yeah. I only had 21. Yeah. And she was so much mocking me and making fun of me because she actually had to go and buy some beers on, on my behalf and stuff yeah. like that. So, There's so- a worse situation when I was studying in Berlin because uh, well, I was already 21, turning 22. Oh. And there were students from my program from the U.S. who... Uh, when they went to Berlin, they, they, they could suddenly drink, even yeah. if they're below 21. Hmm. And then when they went home to the U.S., they could no longer go get, get something to drink. Shit. So, but for me, it was totally okay. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask if you had done any work in the direction of political science or international relations. True. Uh, well, uh, in, in, in that, yeah, I'll, in the beginning, when I finished my bachelor, I, I started working in, in um, the ministry department that is more closely related to the uh, science projects and stuff like that. Uh, but, it's, uh, but it was like an internship and stuff like that. So it's more or less internship, yes, uh, for uh, three, three and a half months. Later on, I decided to uh, start one of these uh, work and travel programs. Mm. Went to America. And what stuff. year was that? Third, second. Uh, I went actually two times. So one time was two ta- 2012, mm. 2013, and then 2013, 2014. So yeah, something like that. Yeah, and it was for two years in a row. Uh, it was amazing experience because it. Uh, you want to explain okay. that because some people might not know what that is. I, I have experience with people who have yeah. been in this program. I worked mm-hmm. with them as well. Um, like, what kind of what what are the countries involved in this kind of? Program? Well, working travel programs are much more like um, cultural exchange, more cultural exchange than work actually, because yeah, you need to work in order to uh, maintain some. Uh, I mean, like some normal life and pay for your bills and stuff like that. But on the other side, it's much more about meeting other people. And the people that are actually going to America in these work and travel programs are from all over the world, um, mostly Eastern Europe and uh, also South Africa, uh, South America, and also um, some of the islands around... um, I had so many 
friends from uh, Costa Rica uh, and what was the other? Clo close to Brazil, there's like a lot of islands in... in, in uh, close to Brazil. Yeah. Know then. <laughs> anyway, I mean, like people from all over the world, yeah. and then it's and it's it's quite an experience because you get to know so many different cultures in a place that also provide absolutely different culture mm -hmm. for a European person, and it's I think it it, it enriched me so much. Do you know how this came about? Was this uh, American incentive like th program, or was it? Uh, well, it's, a, it's not a, it's not a, it's, um, well, it's hard, first of all, for people, some, some people from Eastern Europe to get visas because sure. uh, some of the countries are not part of the Schengen zo zone mm -hmm. and uh, be that as it may, uh, we, we don't, we, we are not allowed to go to America without, uh, without visa. So the actual visa process is a huge thing and, and even, even, even if you go to, through it sometimes you you could go to the embassy as a last stop like the threshold and then the embassy could say no you cannot go just because they have this um, um, how to call it it's it's like they have they let's have say quota, quota yeah, yeah like we have two thousand people for this year and that's that and sometimes people get rejected and it's and it's and it's hard um, that goes for many other countries in, 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 in Europe as well. And some countries that are also in the Schengen zone do not have this right as well, as, as far as I know. But the, the whole thing is not because America and the visas are so hard to get. I would say it's much more because it's, it's a new world for many people, and young people especially, and they would very much like to go to America and see how, how it goes there. Uh, but the the, top, the 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 question that you asked me is much more like how it started and stuff like that. So uh, there are like this different companies in uh, I, I could speak for speak for Bulgaria in different companies that um, actually start if, if if you have to go there, start your application visas like documents and stuff like that. You pay them and then they do all the paperwork for you. It's they, they they call it the 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 process the work process stuff anyway and the most expensive thing is a ticket as we already know and it's a uh, it's so, sometimes it's sometimes it's depends on depends on how 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 far in the future you you decide to to buy the, the, the ticket like if you decide to buy it earlier it's 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 a better price and then goes higher and also depends on the company that you decided to go with because some companies charge you more than the others we also had so many cases of companies lying to the uh, students m mostly majorly the, the people that are going are just students and the, some some of the companies are lying to them just taking the money and then because these are these are private companies that uh, put it all together. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's okay. this is what it is, and it's and it's a hard thing. And uh, what I what I did, I just checked my company with the, with a lawyer, uh, so I could be absolutely sure that they are like all right and their documents are straight. Uh, and this is uh, how I did it, like two years in a in a row, and it was it was amazing experience. Is what I could say. I mean. For I I have so many different perspectives from from that moment onwards, 
and it, it it helped me only helped me because the experience that you get it's it's something it's something totally amazing um, and all, just just to put it like that now I know you I know also a bunch of other Americans and most of them they say I would very much like to live in the year in the uh, in in Europe than America because they're used to this type of life they know what it is or and stuff for, like that. For whatever for whatever reason I think there's still a continued novelty to it true that's, that's also true yeah. however on the other side so many Europeans would say oh yeah I would love to live in America so it's like more or less it's more it's like the thing that you don't have you the grass is always greener exactly yeah it's like yeah 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 uh, we have this expression um whenever you're in a restaurant and you look at somebody else's plate the and plate it looks better <laughs> looks better yeah this is what it means yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah but people are people and I, I never cease to admire them in some in some very deviated perspective I don't know but it was actually when I started traveling mm. that I at this on the one hand would see the things that when I step out, see things that are wrong with the United States, my own country, and then also appreciate things that I didn't appreciate before. Mm. So, for example, uh, in the U.S., it's, it's a very simple um, concept is like lower like taxes. Mm. Um, that's not something that we grew up knowing. We we grew up learning that taxes are always too high. <laughs> but when I when we come to Europe and we see how uh, everyone's system works, it's a little different. And you, you get up to like what the average in Europe is like 43% tax exactly. rate. Yeah. So uh, that's very different. And not just that, that's like a, I mean, that's like a sort of uh, biased perspective on it. I mean, it's a difference, but it's sort of a biased perspective. Another e easy example would be like food that I miss. You know, when I, yeah. when I, when I leave it for a while and I don't have it, yeah. then I really want it. <laughs> what was the grill? The grill? It's the Philly cheesesteak. Philly cheesesteak. Which is yeah. like, that, that's a whole, like, that's a whole. <laughs> There's multiple layers to that story because <laughs> I grew up eating Philly cheesesteaks at school. I mean, and that stuff, I loved it, but in terms of quality, it wasn't the best cheesesteak, yeah. but I loved it. And then I leave the East Coast for a long time and then I go back and have the real stuff mm. in Philadelphia, which I didn't grow up eating. Mm. And I was like, this is, this is really special. So now it's all kinds of, it's like a childhood memory, but also like a late adult discovery as well and yeah, just and an identity thing because I'm from 40 minutes from Philadelphia so it's all of these things wrapped up together and it's like the the magic of time unfolding itself it's really cool so is <laughs> there something like you 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 just try the food and then it brings you back to the childhood that would be one of somehow. them somehow and then what my mom cooks of yeah course, when I go home and uh yeah, that's, even that's, though it's, it's even though it's not that good as you said, it yeah. still brings you back yeah. just because of memories. Yeah, memories are getting. I mean, like I'm 25 right now, and I'm, I'm starting to feel like memories are a, a huge part of my life, and it's and it's and it's get. I mean, and kind of starting not to rely on them, but to go back to memories more often than than before. Mm -hmm. And it starts to fade a little. It's yeah, really weird, right? And I, I, I turned twenty-five in, in July, and um, just before I did so, I, I, I was so freaked out. I was like, "Oh, f 
my God, I'm 25. I'm about to be 25 now. And I'm, what did I have done in my life till now? And it's, and when, when I look back, it's, it's, oh yeah, I went to, to school, went to university. Now I'm doing my master's and it's, yeah, I, I've worked a couple of places, but it, it's not like, you expect of yourselves a little bit more, you know, like uh, you see all, all of these big guys like Mike Zuckerberg and uh, many other people that are uh, achieving so much in, 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 in so small time and in, in a time period. And then it's like, oh, why can I be one of these guys? Is it fair, though, to compare yourself to other people? Uh, I don't I don't know. If, I don't know how productive it is. But... I, I'm, I'm not saying comparing, but I no. First of all. I say that every single person compares himself for, to, to anything to, to somebody. Mm -hmm. That's 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 taboo. That's that's a that's a, a human thing. We are not going to be able to proceed to to evolve without comparing ourselves to to somebody else, but not in some excessive way. You know, like just not an obsessive way either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you if you if you really beat yourself up, yeah, not exactly. Being Mark no, Zuckerberg, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, then that doesn't get you anywhere. True, true. Like going back uh, home and drinking a lot of alcohol just because you're not just like the other guy. No, 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 no. There's a website where you can look up. Uh, it's, it's. I don't remember what it's called, but you put in how old you are, mm. and it'll tell you what David Bowie had done by yeah. age. <laughs> and I did it when I was, I think, 21 or 22. And yeah. it's like by 20 years old, uh, or 20 or 21, he had a space oddity was out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, that's just, it's, uh, so this, is, this is what I mean. I mean, like, yeah. sometimes you cannot compare yourself, but uh, th 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 I would say both he helps and also it's like a slap on the back somehow. But also it gives you, gives you some perspective. I mean, like this way you're, you're, you're able to go to a, 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 some point of your life without, without thinking, uh, about other things, you know, you're thinking straight, you're more determined if you compare yourself. Well, that's what I think, though. I mean, um, I guess this is a little bit off. It's like when you surround yourself with these people, maybe they're not in your vicinity mm. directly, physically, but if you have these, uh, let's call them hard workers, mm. um, in your consciousness, then you will also tend to work hard. Exactly. And if you fall into this trap of comparing yourself and, mm. and feeling bad for yourself, that's not going to happen. True. But if you say, oh, well, that's really impressive. That makes me want to do my craft harder. Mm. And so that's, that, that is productive. Exactly, I think in a yeah. group like the, like the one we're in where people are working hard, mm. hopefully, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But, <laughs> but uh, the, I, I, it was, it's from the Bible. There's this. I don't know like that much about the Bible. I heard it in another podcast. Mm. <laughs> and there is is the. This the is line usually is, how it goes. Yeah. Is, uh, as as iron sharp or yeah, as iron sharpens iron, so man shall sharpen man. Ooh. And so it's when you surround yourself with people who work hard or yeah. who are striving towards something, you'll work hard. That's it's. It was like my roommate in in college. I stayed with him for two years. I was only in college for three years. I stayed with him for two years, and he, he was this white kid from Baltimore who, his major was Chinese, and he was better at Chinese than any Chinese per person I've ever oh. met. He, he's in Beijing right now, uh -huh. teaching Chinese people Chinese. Wow. That's how good he got. Shit. And he would wake up every day, and he would start doing flashcards uh -huh. in his desk. And uh, I would leave and fuck off and do my own thing. Uh -huh. And then I would come back, and he's still 
studying Chinese and doing flashcards and things, and he he worked so hard and and, and all throughout the day and just went to sleep. He sometimes I, I didn't see him eat, and he was just so obsessed with this. And so I don't I feel like if I wasn't in the presence of this guy, I, I mean I didn't work as hard as him, of course, but yeah, I I was like I admire that, and I should also work hard. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. People and, are much more hard and working than us, but yeah. But the the, the things that we're learning is more. Uh, it's it's about what you know and how you can make connections. Uh, not so much. It's different from a language, or like if we're doing math and science, or I feel like this stuff is more just as the more you accumulate, the the easier it is to apply. I don't know. That's just me. When I when I studied history and and. Uh, and political science in university. At some point, I was just like, "How much more can can be applied in an undergraduate class?" That's actually not uh, an easy an easy answer to that thing. Much more, because what we think that we actually are studying and that we are actually getting ourselves into. And we're thinking that it's like too much, and it's it's it's, it's going to be excessive. And it's and at some point uh, we're not going to be able to memorize and uh, actually implement it in some kind of a uh, I don't know. Let's say if you're writing some thesis uh, on on something that you're not going to be able to implement it. That's not true. I mean, like I found it. I find it really really disappointing having. Let's give you an example. Like having classes that are not actually for fulfilling enough. Like they don't give you enough memo, don't enough data, enough in, uh, in in also you don't see enough enthusiasm in the in professor in 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 some sort of um, uh, yeah enthusiasm. I mean like he he's not he's he's not willing to um, give you all that information, all that database that he actually has in his in in, in brain, and and he's just staying there and then just saying stuff. You know, that's a huge issue. And then issue. it just becomes like any other class you took. This is yeah. what I meant when I was in undergrad with this guy. It's not like now. Now I feel like I'm learning a lot, actually. Well, but uh, when I was in undergrad, it was like af after a while, um, these professors are teaching at this particular level and not really, mm. not really letting me. I had one at the very end who was really challenging and I loved it. Yeah, he still writes me recommendation letters and things. That's, oh, yeah. that's, that's the important thing was was uh, he established from the beginning that yeah. he was going to kick my ass. Like, he was going to just, everyone was going to fail the midterm. That was a given. And um, and what he would do is he would break you down and show you that you really don't know what you're doing. And then he would build you back up and really teach you how to go about approaching uh, really complex uh, complex text and That's complex concepts. That's professor that he had. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, my professors in, in, in my home university, which is Sofia University in Bulgaria, they were not that very much of a the typical type of professor that you would imagine having in the university building in a, in, in general, um, because the European, the Western European perspective and vision about the professor, it's much more Harry Potter orientated. Mm -hmm. You know, like these guys that they have their dignity and they're like speaking to you from some high tribune and, and you know like the feeling is different the professor that i had they're much more um 
common people, uh, much more um, down on the ground. Uh, you could speak with them, but you could also the the minus of the 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 whole the whole Eastern European thing that we are like because the last few days I had to explain a lot about Eastern European as a as a thesis as a topic as a sentence or whatever as a term uh, like many people are asking me like do you get offended whenever somebody asks, tells you like you're Eastern European and stuff like that I'm much I, I would say that I, I am much more evolved and I would say at some base educated enough not to get offended, mm -hmm. even though I know that it has been uh, invented. This term it has, has been a invented. connotation to yes. it. Yes, but uh, the professors that I have in that I ha used to have in my university were much more uh, like earth earthly people, and um, it was much more easier to approach them in in some in some sense, even to speak with them, and. I gotta tell you, I. And that's something that I shouldn't brag about. I maybe shouldn't say, but I had exam situated not in the classroom, not in the university itself, but I had exam situated in a restaurant. <laughs> the professor was one of these. She was, she's old-ish. Um, and she decided to have the exam, it was an oral exam, and she said to have it in, in a re restaurant. She booked a restaurant, I, uh, one of these closed, uh, like small restaurants, but w with a big table, so we could fit the whole, uh, the whole class. And uh, it was one of these parts of the restaurant that it's like more, more closed, it, there are not, not so many out of tables, so people wouldn't intervene and wouldn't be very noisy but still like she said like you have the free will to buy whatever you like like uh, beers uh, alcohol in general and whatever food you like so yeah we were sitting there having our uh, food our drinks and one by one she starts to um, engage. engage and asks us things and in, in a particular moment, she she sets she 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 takes out some little paper piece of papers with uh, questions written there, and she gives it to every every one of us and starts asking us about the questions that she just gave us. It was one of the most interesting uh, uh, exams that I, I had because it was something unusual, and this is what I I very much appreciate. Uh, when I go to a, a university or any kind of other organization, the unusual thing. Because most of the times, this is what actually teaches you. This is what actually keeps you um, uh, awake. Because whenever you go to a classroom and then start speaking, it's, ah, oh, fuck. Again, the same thing over and over again. It's too much sometimes. But I just wanted to say something like, because... Previously, we were speaking about the uh, systems Europe, American, and then you said um, uh, what do you do? Uh, taxations. Yeah. Taxation in Bulgaria is ten percent flat. So it's a flat rate. Everybody. Yeah. So it 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 used to be a, a good thing. Now it should be changed because it, it shouldn't. Uh, I mean, like the the consortiums, the big companies, the firms should not 
pay less or they shouldn't pay the same as a normal physical person and that's 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 a absolutely evolved policy but you know like in some countries some things are happening slower uh, anyway uh, so it's 10 percent and the second thing that I wanted to tell you is like the that the, the, the other difference between America and, and Europe in, in, in general is like the medical uh, system absolutely yeah I mean what is I, it like in Bulgaria uh, well it's let's put it this way uh, back in the days um, Till we all know that from 19, uh, 1944 till 1989, we had one big red thing called the Soviet Union, mm -hmm. <laughs> and Bulgaria was part so of if it. If we want to like go on a little explanation of, I, I'm sure uh -huh. most people are like me and don't know very very much about Bulgaria. Uh -huh. I want to give like a a short uh, summary of maybe the, the the 20th century till now. Short. Okay, short summary. Yeah. Cool. Just so people have, well, a, I gotta, have a base level. I, I gotta tell you, you're very lucky because I'm a historian. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm lucky. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, all right. Okay, first of all, Bulgaria, it's situated uh, above Greece. Mm -hmm. And um, neighbors are Serbia, Macedonia, Greece, Turkey, and Romania. And also on the east eastern part of Bulgaria is the Black Sea. So... We all know who is on the other side of the Black Sea, right? <clears throat> so Bulgaria, 20th century. Uh, actually, it this is actually when uh, in the in the end of the 19th, beginning of 20th century, Bulgaria liberate, liberated itself from uh, from uh, Ottoman rule, and we were in a part of the Ottoman Empire for quite a long time, uh, approximately 500 years. Uh, since the medieval periods but in the end of 19th beginning of 20th century we liberated ourselves because of many outside situations as well inner inner situations many bluff baths and many 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 things that uh, Ottomans did and somehow the Western European society um, had to say something and okay that's enough and many things happen on the Balkans in general, like many countries like Serbia and, 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 and Montenegro and uh, Romania and um, Greece uh, had their independence before us. We had our independence after the uh, year 1878. Uh, this is the last Russo-Turkish war in which we were liberated. So onwards we had um, our kings, which were, um, first of all, coming from Germany, uh, German, German nobility, like uh, one of them is uh, um, Alexander von Battenberg. Uh, he had to rule Bulgaria for uh, quite some time and then uh, the other family that came to Bulgaria is a, is a king family that uh, that was about to rule Bulgaria for the next uh, 50 years was the uh, Franks Kobok and Gotha, and we know Gotha families um, the same family that rules in uh, in um, Great Britain till today because Windsor is just a, a castle but it's thousand years history castle and has nothing to do with the German um, 
the German um, um, <clears throat> family that is ruling right now over uh, Great Britain. Um, so yeah, we had this um, king operating and and being in power in Bulgaria for for a long long time till uh, 1940 uh, till 1938 uh, nine something, and uh, he got killed the last one um, because he he was in alliance with. Um, uh, with uh, actually Bulgaria in the Second World War was in alliance with uh, Nazi Germany. Uh, we kind of did not have the chance not to be in an alliance with Nazi Germany because uh, it's a quite a few like a quite a huge story. But um, there is a um, a huge line uh, like a huge news in 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 the newspapers in Great Britain uh, stating. How? Why Bulgaria went with uh, with Nazi Germany? Why? Why did they did that to us? As well, the same goes for Turkey, because Turkey was also part of the uh, of the um, uh, of the conglomerate, not not Nazi conglomerate. Um, but there was also a Bulgarian um, um, journalist stating in one of the uh, local newspapers stating. Um, I'm sorry, Mr. Churchill, but um, the Donau, which is the river that separates Bulgaria and Romania, it's not the canal. And the canal is the thing, the huge thing that separates Great Britain from Germany. So you could hide by, you could hide behind the canal, but you cannot hide by the behind the, the Donau, because the story goes six. 150,000 armed to the teeth with all tanks and stuff like that, Germans, are giving to your king a one slip note stating, we're going through Bulgaria for three days if you say that you're on our side, or we're going through Bulgaria for five days if you say that you're not on our side. The main reason that we had to join uh, Germany, Nazi Germany, was that. And the reason that Nazi Germany needed to go to uh, Greece. Because Greece was part, was aligned with Great Britain. And they needed to uh, stop Greece attacking or kicking the ass of Mussolini's soldiers. It's a very little-known um, section of the war. True, the Greek true. Campaign, it's, yeah, the Greek campaign is a very interesting thing. That uh, I mean, like, uh, the Greeks actually rallied, and they were able to, to fight the Mussolini guys. And Mussolini was on the brink of destruction in, in, on, on his campaign on the Balkans. This is why he actually asked Hitler to, um, to, to uh, deorientate de one of his armies, down to, to the, the Balkans. down to the Balkans, so uh, he could save his ass, and it, it's 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 amazing how history goes. And after 1944, uh, I mean, the, the war is over. the The Russian army decides to uh, invade Bulgaria, even though uh, a few few days before the Russian army decided to come to Bulgaria, the Bulgarian government decided to oppose Nazi Germany and in fact we we kind of uh, cut our pact with them 
but that was not in the interest of 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 Russia of Soviet Union and even though we did that thing they still came as occupators and they occupied all of Bulgaria until today there are discussion was that occupation was that liberation but people that are with democratic views in Bulgaria till today do you believe traded, you traded one oppressor for the other Right. Absolutely yes, absolutely yes. I mean, like uh, during the during the regime of um, like, during the uh, the the reign of the king, uh, Bulgaria was quite quite a good country to live in. I mean, uh, a young country, yes, because hundred years history is not that much, but also a a, a, a economical miracle on the on the Balkans. There are too many facts to back that story. But we could also see that what what happens to the country right after uh, the the Russians come and and take part in our political life and also in the in the economical mostly. Mm-hmm. We could just one fact: twenty five uh, billion um, is the was the Bulgarian gold reserve. I mean, this is a gold reserve that is going to last for two years if the country is fully bankrupt. So this way the country could pay bills, pay uh, salaries, and somehow give food to the population till finds another decision. 25 billion in gold was given to the Russians just like that, just because they asked us. And I'm just going to zip this with one... Last sentence. Was this, was this the experience of a lot of Eastern European countries? I would say yes. This confiscation of, oh, gold, yeah. of gold. Oh yeah. Hmm. Uh, as I said, uh, Bulgaria was very much developed uh, in 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 this in in the nineteen thirties and nineteen forties. Uh, factories, um, um, places where you could build a lot of uh, um, a lot of machines. Uh, many cars were building in in Bulgaria as well, and all of these things during the 40s were most of them were uh, were part of the of the of course of the Ger- the Germans that actually came and started uh, uh, doing that thing. Before that, we also had this fabrics and stuff like that, but Germans also added. Mm-hmm. The thing is that the moment this, the Russians came to Bulgaria, they literally cut everything into pieces. I mean, like, I don't know if you could uh, imagine what it means, a whole fabric to be cut into pieces, literally. Like, I'm not speaking about the, 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 the bricks and stuff like physically. that. But physically, the, the, the machines, like a new, new machines in uh, uh, German, German-made machines, like, so good quality machines, were m- cut into pieces in order to be melted and to make stupid Russian uh, tanks or most of the times cars. And they were cutting them into pieces, like machines that could make uh, newspapers and uh, make God, God knows what, what some, else. Some, any, all these things with productive cap- capabilities. They were cutting them into pieces and putting them into, into the train and back to Siberia. Yeah. Crazy story. I mean, yeah, in in, um, in, in history classes about the, the Second World War, we learned about uh, when, when Stalin, 
he discovered or he came to the realization that the Nazis actually did invade because mm. he didn't believe it at first. Mm. He had people physically, brick by brick, take apart factories and move them to Siberia. Yeah, yeah. And this saved their war effort because, I mean, <laughs> how do you convince people to do that with a gun? Yeah, but yeah. you but but they but they um they brought their factories to Siberia so they could continue producing. True, true. and this is uh, yeah. They, I can totally imagine uh, this. This, this uh, happening. Totalitarian I could tell you. I, think, I could tell you something else. Uh, the first, the first days, like like, I'm just gonna say a couple of, uh, of of big cities in Bulgaria. One of them is Sofia, which is the um, the capital. capital, and also we have uh, Varna, which is which what we say is the our sea capital, because it's the biggest city on the seaside. Also, we have Burgas, and close to Varna. Uh, the first days after the uh, Russians came, uh, they uh, intercepted a German, uh, a German um, truck with uh, a cistern full of spirit. Do you have the knowledge of that? Okay, spirit is metal, metan, metal. Uh, it's alcohol. Okay. The one that you go to the hosp in hospital and they clean your wounds like with cleaning alcohol, uh, rubbing alcohol, rubbing alcohol, but it, a very clean one. The, the actual it's methanol. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay then. Yeah, the, the cleanest form. Mm -hmm. So they they intercepted this huge uh, cistern and uh, per perhaps killed the driver stuff like that. Hundred and fifty Russian soldiers. Dead. I'm just leaving you the answer. Why? You can imagine, right? They tried to deal with it. They tried to <laughs> drink it. And they drank they, they drank a lot, a lot. And it's this is till today many people are rediscovering that actually um not Russians in general, but um Whenever a person goes to war from a country that is not that well economically developed and he goes to a country that is more or less better than his own country, he feels like in paradise. And he actually, just because he's the strong person right now, the, the strong power right now, he doesn't, he, he's, not, he's not very willing to think what is he actually doing. And we know Russians and their drinking and stuff like that. So you could make the the the, the math here. That's such an absurd story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like 150 soldiers. You could find it online. It's it's very easy. I could even give you the the article. It's it's crazy. What's what was the let's call it what's what was the damage done to to Bulgaria by the, by the Soviet Union. No one could tell you. You, you could actually you, you could not you could not tell that what was the damage done to the to any other Soviet uh, country by the Soviet Union. You cannot tell that thing because you know in America or in any other country there is something called archives. Mm -hmm. Okay. We have it also. But our good friends the commies, they decided right before uh, 1989, I mean like the the months before uh, 1989, because they, they already knew that some changes are going to happen, they decided to go to the National Archives. And what I mean by deleting, not pressing Control and Dell, but taking documents and burning them. 
They burnt shitload of documents. Not only documents connected to what happened, like the thing that you're asking me right now, how much they gave to Russia, just because Russia said, give me something. But also they deleted and uh, burned a lot of documents connected with uh, personal files of the uh, so-called um, secret service, national secret service agents. And by national secret service agents, don't imagine James Bond, no. Just a normal person, most of the times low educated, um, that does have a lot of friends and family and goes around uh, in parks, in the restaurants with them. And if he hears something that they're like, let's like say they're saying some jokes about the government and stuff like that. The next day, the, the person that said the joke, it's somewhere in the... Disappeared. Dis disappears in the, uh, the so-called um, working camps. So this is how it used to be, and for for my grandmother and my grandparents uh, in general, there is one thing that they most of the time say. Uh, oh, th this is not a topic for for the for the phone. When they whenever they're speaking over the phone, they they say that to each other between friends. Oh, this is not a topic for the phone. This is that's a clear example how people actually felt before. Now it's not like that. Now we are part of the European Union. We I mean, like, we're not the best country, like, economically and so on, but it's quadruple the time better than what it used to be. Because, you know, people from different parts of the world cannot imagine what it is to go into the shop or into the so-called supermarket and see on the shelf beer bottles that on the label says just beer it's not uh it's the state warsteiner or budweiser or something just beers the state standard the state standard beer and that's that you don't have any other choice you buy or you leave we were speaking about that a couple of weeks ago you remember uh, about uh standing in queues mm -hmm. yeah you go it's, there it because it has become ingrained in the culture in the east it seems I would say, I beg my pardon, I mean, like, I'm very sorry that I'm going to say that, but I would say that in Poland, it's much more embedded till today. I don't see it in when Bulgaria. When you compare it to Bulgaria. Yeah. I, if I compare it to Bulgaria, I don't see it. I mean, like, the, the cues are something that it's not going to happen. I mean, like, and I'm very far, I'm very, very happy for that because it's, it's, it's quite annoying. But, you know, those little things cultural things that have been embedded in the in the system in the eastern persons system it's 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 so eastern european people it, it's so distinctive sometimes and it in and people need to 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 fight to get it out of the system because uh, it's 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 on their in their way in their way towards getting to know different cultures majorly what other lingering effects uh, uh in, in the just everyday behavior do you other uh -huh. than this in uh, in in slavic and uh, well, eastern european bulgaria yeah. Uh, yeah well that's the thing um 
it's a political if i go to the political diaspora of of, of what the happenings later on it's it's going to be a, a long story but uh, people are getting much more um they're not very interested in politics uh in the last years they in the last 10 or 15 or 20 years even 20 years they have been so many times lied to and they're you know we like to say this thing as something that is very Balkan and it's very uh, oh national, but I say it's bullshit. Um, and what is the what the thing is? We are from this country, let's say Bulgaria, or we are generally from the Balkans. We don't care about politics because politics is shit, and we are going to eat, drink. The le the the rest you know, till the end of our lives. Try to have some money on the side, leave the politics to somebody else. And that's something that is so much embedded in the, and I would speak right now for the Bulgarians in general, it's so much embedded in the Bulgarians' genes somehow. Because of the last 20 years, 25 years. 20, 25. 1989. Post, yeah, post-1989. So today is... 2017 so it's 25 26 years right yeah yeah am yeah. i right yeah yeah what was so. the what was the experience of bulgaria when that all ended in 1989 oh uh because every country has a little bit of a different experience oh yeah the experience was uh, is it was great i i i was one of these kids uh because in 1989 um uh, the the major communist government went down mm -hmm. that was it and many people went on the street saying no more communism stop that thing i want to wear normal jeans for crying out loud not and some cheap knockoffs and 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 they stopped they stopped this 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 process and then it occurred that all the people that went on the streets millions went on the streets in every single city they they have been lied to, and for a very short period from eighteen nine eight, uh, nineteen eighty nine till nineteen ninety six, which is how much seven years. Seven years yeah. So for a period of seven years, um, around four governments or five governments, if you count the ones that are just between the um, uh, elections. Uh, changed and all of them were just satellites of the former communistic party even though they were stating we're democrats you could see that in their lists for the parliament most of the people were part of the um, old communistic party and that's something that aggravated people most because they see there's something is changing they see the borders are open. You could go to whatever country you like. You could buy whiskey from whatever you like. But still you have the same dudes up there uh, leading your country to some place that you don't want to go to. Again, even, even then, Russia was not, uh, was not backing down. Many people in, in, in the world, that's a common mistake, think that in 1989, with the fall of the Soviet Union, Russia was saying, okay, we're backing down. No, 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 no. They were just preparing again for something that is happening today.
That's what I mean. That's what Clausewitz said in eighteen twenty eighteen. Yeah, eighteen twenty seven. He he said that. Uh, make no mistake, peace is only an in between period between hostilities. Exactly, because there are many philosophers, Russian philosophers, um, stating that Russians are not able to live in peace just because of so much history that they had in war. Uh, if they are living in peace, that means that they are preparing themselves for war. Uh, I don't want to demonize the Russian nation in, in, in general. Russians are nice people. But you have to get into the head. Why? Well, like you, uh, I, I think in the last year is when I really... I mean, I, I, I was wondering, what, why is Russia so big? Mm. And the reason is because they didn't want their backs to anybody. So they just kept going, mm. and they, they started in and around Moscow, and they just kept walking and walking, and they finally they finally got to the the end, and this is this is their their huge country, and mm. and then their whole history is just scary scary armies coming across the this this flat landscape uh, to them. Yes and no. Yeah, I'm, I I get the feeling why you you would say something like that makes sense, and also it's a it's a a funny way of explaining the story. But if you want to go into deep, uh, it's more or less, you gotta thank, thank um, uh, people called uh, Mongolians. Yeah, sure. That's what because, I mean, scary you know, people. like, yeah, I mean, like, the Mongolians were, like, the, the biggest land empire ever. 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 They made it to Hungary. It, yeah, I mean, land empire. The, the biggest empire in general was Great Britain, but the biggest land empire that was homogeneously connected, connecting all the lands that they own. Uh, Mongolian Empire, and they started to uh, decay, and this is the moment when Russian little little Russian uh, kingdoms decided to unite and rally and go against them, and they fought them, and then they Im embedded most of the Middle Asian and European part of the Mongolian Empire into their territories. This is why today we have Siberia, today we have so many parts of, Russian, of Russia that are uh, part of Russia, and this is why, in general, why we have such a big country. And uh, America is... But wouldn't it be, be... I mean, their experience with the Mongols was such that they were like, no, no, we, we don't want our backs to, to, to these folks, we're going to keep going, and... And they finally hit the hit the ocean. At like not the really. Ocean. I mean, like you know, the, the Mongols were already in decay. The the, the empire was not a the, that force that used to be. Well, no, it's not. The warrior wasn't exactly uh, the the Mongols themselves, but any other sort of. I mean, what, what kind of information did they have back in the day? You know, mm -hmm. they 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 anybody could have come around the corner for them. I wouldn't say that. I I, I know what you're speaking of, like this the Vikings and the people that are uh, actually about to find new lands and stuff like that. I wouldn't say that the Russians are something like that. They are not no, very No, it's not much... about discovery. It's about a paranoia. Uh -huh. That's what I meant. Uh -huh. okay. Not like they're going to go to Siberia to discover what's there. Uh -huh. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, back in the day, people were stupid, but they're not. Yeah. Like, the, the, the Russian mentality, in, as, as, as I see it, is a deep paranoia. True, true. Well, that's, that's also very true. Uh, but as I said, in in till later period, till later, later, later period, Russia was just okay. Let's let's say it this way: Russia was just today's Ukraine.
Kievarus. So <laughs> I'm very sorry about it, but <laughs> this is what Russia was. And anything else than that was just little little kingdoms and little um, um, united places under some some lord that decided to uh, to have a bigger uh, a bigger uh, country or uh, whatever. So later on they unified, but most of the times whenever you know whenever you uh, read history about Russia being Christianized you are going to read about this uh, Kievarus, which is today's Ukraine and some of some other lands. It's another interesting topic is where Russians got their religion from, their Christian religion from. Where did they got the so so much famous Cyrillic alphabet from? Because we all know, you know, uh, whenever you think about Russia, you know the Cyrillic alphabet. Yes, and I can't read yeah. Must have, yeah, yeah, exactly. Must have been, must have been the uh, found. I mean, invented in Russia, right? But it's not. It's a very interesting another history part of, of of our world that we actually don't know very well because it it has been hidden so well by the Soviet Union, so no one would know. I mean, like no one, no one, like uh, Western part of the world wouldn't know, and not because it's such a. Uh, such a, um, a thing that they should not know, but just because it's a matter of pride. Russia is big. Russia owns all the little countries. Russia is the one that actually uh, came, up with this. came up with the idea about the Cyrillic alphabet, but it's not. And then any, any historian that you meet is going to tell you that it's not true. I'm just going to say that the uh, the Cyrillic alphabet came somewhere from the Balkans. I'm not going to brag because I'm from this country, and it's not going to be very politically correct to say. And I mean, like, it's 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 gonna be biased. We don't we don't need to be politically correct on this podcast. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, like, it's it's gonna be biased, and in, and from a historical point of view, it's, it's gonna be much more like bragging and stuff like that. I don't like that thing. So if somebody is very interesting, where the Cyrillic alphabet comes from, he's going to go to Wikipedia. You can check the books. <laughs> you can check. No, I mean like <laughs> fuck the books. Books are for scientists. No, Go I don't mean Wikipedia. like I don't mean literally the books. I mean like the uh, yeah, records. Yeah. The records. True, the, true. The evidence. True, yeah. true. Just go to Wikipedia. It's so easy. You could find out where the actual Syriac alphabet comes from. And by the way, who was the first uh, um, bishop of newly Christianized Kievarus? It's a such big history that we have in this eastern part of Europe um, and we are sharing it and till today it's so easy because I'm going back to the topic about uh, what I see in Eastern Europeans in general and Bulgarians and what aggravates me in their behavior it's it's so easy to understand that somebody is from Eastern Europe you just Ask him something about his history or about uh, a food, like a national food they have. And if, God forbid, in the company that you are in right now, there is a one person from this country and another person from the other country that are close, they're going to take their eyes out over a national dish, which is... I don't know. 
it. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, like, it's part of our culture, I guess. Many people that 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 are they have approached us in some way. They know that thing, and it's and it's it's like a dynamic zone, you know. Like you, you say that uh, Musaka is uh, is not a Bulgarian uh, <laughs> national uh, dish, and then somebody's ass has to be whooped. <laughs> it's it, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. It, 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 what is that, by the way? To explain that. Oh, Musaka is it's basically uh, potatoes. Um, mm, carrots, mince, and um, uh, the white thing, eggs, um, yeah, eggs with um, um, with yogurt. Uh -huh. Yes. So the the whole thing is cut into pieces. You put it in the oven. Uh, the whole thing bakes for 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 sometimes becomes uh, because of the uh, yogurt and the and the um, uh, eggs becomes uh, like a cake a little it rises. bit rises rises yeah mm -hmm. and then uh, you take it out just before it's 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 done you pour on top this uh, additional um, consistent of eggs and um, um, yogurt and yogurt uh, and then you bake it to, again. Like you put it in the oven, and then it looks like cake. Really, like you could take it like that and put it on a, on a plate, and and and, and sit. again, you 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 mash it with the with the fork, and then put a little bit of yogurt on top, and it's very it's very very national. Yeah, I would say yeah, it's a national Bulgarian thing. But there is no freaking way to to say this is a Bulgarian dish, and it has been invented by a Bulgarian because. For f almost 500 years, we were having Greeks, Turkish, Serbian, Bulgarian dishes all mixed together in the big Ottoman Empire. How the heck hey, will you know that one dish is Bulgarian, one dish is Turkish? It's all mixed up. Yes, sure, we have some dishes that are connected with our Christian religion yes over christmas dinners and easter holidays sure again you cannot make decision is it greek is it bulgarian because greeks are also christians sure you cannot you could say it's not turkish all right you see and it, you you put a serbian and a greek person or a serbian and a turkish person or a serbian and and and, and a greek and a turkish or a bulgarian and some of these uh, uh, nationalities and ask them about moussaka and then just sit be behind pour a glass of wine popcorns and you see what's going on it's <laughs> mess and one of the things that i see and it's not only on the balkans i see it because it's already a second year here in, in my program i i got to know many um ukrainian guys same thing with ukrainians oh this is our national thing Oh, this is our national thing. We have the same uh, clothes. We are, we do the same clothes with the national uh, roses or whatever flowers on on the shirts. And and I don't like this type of things. This is why I'm like, yeah, sure, okay, cool. That's all. That's very interesting. Cool. It's. It comes it, back a lot to the um, the aspect or this this thing about latching onto the identity and then you take it. Mm. Really, really personal. Oh yeah! When oh it's yeah! Contradicted. 
national identity. That's such or a... identity in general. It's uh, when you latch on and say an attack or uh, a mis uh, misrepresentation of mm -hmm. my uh, identity is a is a is a uh, offense to me. Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, we we're up on our time. We've done our hour. Cool, cool. And uh, yeah, but this isn't gonna be the last time. Oh, we absolutely not. Yeah, we have fun. a lot of things to yeah, <laughs> discuss. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't know, yeah, we'll have you on next time. Thank you so much. Yeah.